Welcome, everybody, to episode 25 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. We are once more here from not even remotely sunny Portland, Oregon. Hi, I'm Evan. Welcome. (laughs) And I am Jake. Thank you, as always, for stopping by. We've got championship hockey Mm -hmm. to recap today. We're pretty thrilled to be able to report that the Isabel Cup has finally been raised It was hoisted. (laughs) It has risen. Hoisted with authority. Yes, by Jillian Dempsey of the Boston Pride yesterday afternoon. Mm -hmm. The Boston Pride beat the Minnesota Whitecaps 4-3 to in the final. It was uh, a little less close than the the score suggests. The Whitecaps had a very late third period push after scoring the first goal and made it 4-3 with 20 dramatic seconds left in the game. Got a sense that if they had a little bit longer, they might have come back and won, but it was an exciting game. You know, had some good lead changes, had a lot of great hockey and spirited play by both teams. And damn, Boston just kind of did what we thought they might do, huh? Yeah, three months ago. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, I texted Evan. I said, well, Boston just kind of Turned it on. Yep. <laughs> and his response was, yes, that this, goal game machine. Not, <laughs> this game is not looking good. And to credit the Whitecaps, coming back on a team that is that good with that goalie is not easy. So no. credit should be given to them for making it a game late. But yeah, Boston is just, I think this restart just shows us that Boston is way better. Well, also playing teams. on home ice and yes, d- uh, definitely but- helped. Yeah, consistently probably the strongest franchise. This championship game was a close game. Uh, It had, you know, you could see that the teams were pretty evenly matched. The first two games were a little bit less close with Minnesota dispatching the Connecticut Whale seven to nothing and Boston beating Toronto six to two. Both of those games, I think, were closer than the score suggested. The Whale had a what we both thought was a good goal waved off. And that kind of changed the tide of the game. And then Toronto skated hard against Boston in the first one, but Boston is just too powerful. In the championship, the Whitecaps, they scored first and then came back to make it 4-2 after Boston turned on the goal machine and then added the third after a major boarding penalty by Teresa Vanisova uh, with about two minutes, 30 seconds left. So they got to keep the power play for that last 20 seconds. And I think the... uh, the Boston Twitter account tweeted, this is the most dramatic 19.4 seconds of all of our lives. <laughs> and uh, that was appropriate. You know, the Whitecaps did what they could to score with that time left. But yeah, n- just didn't have the the clock space. You got the sense that, you know, maybe if they had gotten that full five minute penalty to have unlimited goals, we might be talking about a different game. I think the first two games were actually a little bit closer than the score would suggest. Mm-hmm. The whale actually outshot the Whitecaps in that game by a significant margin. And yeah, the goalie just was absolutely yeah, amazing. Levier is outstanding goalie. Like, and really, also the pads, her yes. fish pads are incredible. And then in the Toronto game, Michaela Grant Mentis came within a thin hair of 
scoring a goal that mm-hmm. Lavisa Sealander kicked off the line. Just tiny moments. You, you mentioned the goal that was taken away from the whale, which honestly, we were both sitting there watching the replay going, I don't know how they can remove that goal. Yeah, I think that totally should have counted and that would have made it 1-1 and a completely different game the whitecaps then scored a second one pretty quickly and the route was on and they got to buckle down because that team is very very good defensively and they're very fast Mm -hmm. so they can they can hunker down play that defensive style leak out players via long passes out of the zone and then you saw ali thunstrom score a breakaway goal that was the second goal that's all they needed to do and they had the speed and the goaltending to counter whatever punches that the whale could throw at them it's tough to see the team you're rooting for not do so hot, but they look good doing it. And those jerseys, they're yeah. so good. I am partial to the Whitecaps jerseys, but objectively, the whale jerseys are just super fun. I hadn't realized that they had the whale on the shoulder as well. And when I saw that again, I was just like, oh, God, those are just perfect. The color scheme, the logo, they're great fun. You know what's also fun? We get to add a seventh jersey. As reported by Marissa Ingmeni on Twitter, the NWHL has announced or is going to announce a seventh franchise for the upcoming season. This one will be based out of Montreal. The owners are also also have stakes in the Toronto franchise and I believe the Boston franchise as okay. well. So not new owners, but bringing in another team into the league, which theoretically opens up more opportunities for women to play hockey. So, I mean, there's 30 more spots or however many to fill Mm -hmm. in the league. And it brings them to a new locale, Montreal, obviously, obviously a hockey hotbed. Yeah. Uh, One expects that they'll be welcomed with open arms and lots of alcohol will be driven into hands of fans and that, you know, they will have a good time with these games. Obviously super thrilling to see, Within a week of each other, we get to see Boston raise for the first time. Somebody raised sec- the Isabel Cup for the second time. So this is Boston's second championship, and they are the oh, okay. first team to do that. We get to see the Isabel Cup raised after not being raised for two years. Due to COVID. Due to COVID. Plus an extra weight because of COVID this year. Mm-hmm. And we get to welcome Montreal into the league, which is like just a really great it's great to see that the game is growing it's great to see that the nwhl is growing obviously it has a ways to go if you want to be able to have these players be full-time players Mm -hmm. and not have to work separate jobs there's a ways to go especially you know considering the pwhpa is out there and that's what they are asking for as, as players but it is a significant step anytime you can grow a league that shows that there's financial stability it shows that there's interest it shows that there are people who are interested in being owners in the league it's an excellent next step for the nwhl we know that there's a talent pool to field another team Mm -hmm. it's not like they're adding a 48th team or something like that (laughs) but again it's just giving more women the opportunity to live their dreams and continue playing professional hockey and that's awesome yeah it also sends the message that you know the investment that this group is making in the league is they are getting the returns that they want on it and continuing to add to their investment. And during the wobble in Lake Placid and after, women's hockey's picked up some of its largest sponsorships. So yeah, you can tell that persevering in the face of COVID has won them a lot of new fans and new eyes in the game and really excited for where it can go from here. 
you mentioned that the championship game ended with a penalty that was still in effect. What if that was a yeah. rule change that happened in hockey where <laughs> defensive penalty, if you're up, it extends the game by yeah. however long. That'd be great. Ooh. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, we can, we can, that's, a, that's an off season topic. No, I know, um, but I, that totally should get added to the, like the wacky, wacky hockey list. <laughs> like, I would love just like an experimental rules league. You know, maybe it's three on three. Maybe you have take backs and no refs. Like who knows? Just well, baseball has that with their minor leagues. They implement Mm -hmm. rule changes in certain leagues to try them out before implementing them in the or in Major League Baseball. Guessing the NHL could do that. I mean, they have apparently they used to. Uh, Apparently, that used to be a thing uh, with teams out of the running. I believe it was Sean McIndoe from the Athletic was talking recently about how you know the. 1930s or something they used to do this um and so for a game for two teams that are out of the standings they like changed offsides to the red line it would be fun to see that in hockey also between roller hockey and ice hockey there's so much different hockey to be played you can kind of pick your poison if you want to watch it but i think we could all say that pro beach hockey could come back when espn has hockey rights and we would love it Ah, man. I remember, I I don't know if, I think Pro Beach Hockey came out before I started playing hockey, just a little bit before, Uh because I didn't start playing hockey till I was around 12, I think. And I remember watching it and being like, this looks like an amazing time. It apparently was just like the Red Hot Chili Peppers on skates. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you read, I, I read an oral history of it somewhere and they were just talking about how it was pure madness. Like, yeah, just drug use and, and parties and, and skater boys and which is exactly what it should be. And if it comes back, it should definitely be that again. (laughs) For the uninitiated pro beach hockey was a short lived ESPN league that featured roller hockey with a ball full check. And also a two-point line, beyond which if you scored, it counted for two. And they also had a inclined skateboard-style ramp behind the net. Which did exactly what you would think to play behind the net. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> made it absurd. The whole thing was absurd. And I think you can see on YouTube some old highlights still exist. Oh, absolutely. And they just look like a blast. And I don't know. It looks like the second most fun you could have on camera to like American gladiators. I would, to this day, if somebody was like, hey, did you know the gauntlet is still set up and you can <laughs> run it? And I'd be like, are there going to be gladiators there? And they're like, they can't ever leave. And I'd be like, <laughs> they're trapped. That's that's just where they live. Like, that's, let's, they're actually bred there. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's get hit by tennis balls. Yeah, it's like the Minotaur and it's maze they just yeah no i'm not a great athlete but i'm a decent athlete i think i would be legitimately upset if i didn't make it through the gauntlet i always wanted to know how i would do you know compared to the people that they always put forward well the people that they put forward were always fit usually police officers or you know people who were in some sort of workout field yeah, like or fitness instructors yeah or they were head coaches for track and field or something like that. So, I mean, they were, they were always in shape folks that were on that, on that show. And a lot of them didn't make, no, make it I through. Know. A lot of them just got absolutely destroyed in some of those games. And so I, but I would love to, I felt the same way about uh, Ninja Warrior. 
Mm-hmm. And do you remember Nickelodeon Guts? Mm, not really, but so Nickelodeon. I was not a big Nickelodeon kid. So Nickelodeon Guts was kind of the same thing, but okay. for kids, and they had to like climb walls and climb a mountain and mm. do bike races, but they were all extreme challenges. I would have loved to have done that, but unfortunately, my family never found itself down in Universal Studios, so mm-hmm. we weren't. And then they had Legends of the Hidden Temple, which I would have, I would have probably stabbed all of my friends to be on. <laughs> and then the uh, the penultimate uh, most extreme elimination challenge. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yeah. So, wow, we really got off target here. But speaking of where the game can go from here, <laughs> I think fans and the media would like the league, the NHL, to be more transparent and in. Not firing, but kind of shuffling Tim Peel off the hockey mortal <laughs> coil. They did something that was inherently not transparent, I feel. So this week, the NHL released uh, one of it, their longtime but less celebrated officials, Tim Peel. That's putting it nicely. From the, uh, they relieved him of his duties but did not fire him because he is also retiring after he was caught on a broadcast mic saying that he wanted to penalize a specific team. And wanted to penalize them quickly in order to even things up. Which, to unpack this really strange situation, yes, it's a bad thing to verbalize that you are calling a penalty intentionally, and then to call just a weak-ass non-trip on the Predators against the Red Wings. It just doesn't make any damn sense. Well, it, here's here's the thing, though. We all know that makeup calls exist in hockey. Yeah. You know, on, on Puck Soup this week, Sean McIndoe made the point that the NHL is the only league in North American professional sports where you know that's coming. Mm-hmm. You know that... Well, hockey in general, but the NHL, to a very obvious extent, polices the game by trying to penalize teams as equally as possible. You never see makeup calls in the NFL. Well, or that we perceive. Well, there's there's no leveling of the calls in order to make it fair. And there's no fan outcry in the NHL, it, you just kind of understand there was a hooking penalty there called. They called two penalties in a row on Boston. Well, they're definitely going to call one on the Islanders now. To kind Generally, of, yeah. yeah it, it's very rare that you see like six penalties in a game for one team and one for the other. It's usually right. like five and three, five and four, two and four, like that sort of thing. And we attribute this normally to game management, air quotes, game management. Yes, and of which Tim Peel is... And other NHL refs, it's just kind of an understood part of the game. And for the NHL to pseudo fire someone for saying live what we all know happens, mm-hmm. like no hockey fan was outraged and was shocked by the fact that this happened. No, no hockey fan went, Oh my God, that happens. <laughs> I can't believe it. There were no aghast people in the hockey world until they fired him. And then you're like, well, why'd you fire the guy? We all know this happens. This is ridiculous. Well, in my opinion, it was a punishable offense. And yeah, for sure. The most convenient way to punish this guy 
was just to say, okay, we're going to sit you for the last couple of months that you were going to work in your career. He was not regarded as one of the best refs in the league. He had never uh, worked a Stanley Cup playoff. He'd only refed 90 playoff games in his entire career. Sorry, a Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And yeah, only refed 90 playoff games, which is, that's the honor roll of NHL officiating is if you get to work the playoffs and then especially the Stanley Cup finals. His kind of perhaps his highlight of his career is when he accidentally had a puck dumped into the zone and then ricocheted off of his nut cup directly behind Roberto Luongo and into the net. (laughs) And it took a full minute for anybody to understand what the fuck had just happened. And then, you know, he's like laying in the ground, the puck's in the net, and then replay shows this puck going in off of his cup. (laughs) It went in off of Tim's peel. But what kind of irks me is that, A, he's so close to retirement. B, he was actually talking to the Predators bench, like explaining to them why he called this BS call on them. According to Matt Duchesne on Robbie and Recode 1025 The Game, Preds Radio, his, the comments were made towards Philip Forsberg and the Preds bench, which to me is just smacks of kind of low-key power tripping. This is kind of what half-decent guys that are a little bit drunk on their minor power look like, low-time tyrants kind of thing. One gets a sense that the reason that the NHL has come down so heavily on him, other than it being convenient, is because of sports betting and the betting houses and... Uh, individual bettors wanting to know that the rules are going to be enforced equally, which is kind of contrary to hockey culture. The sports betting thing, while nobody is saying that they think that was an issue, Mm -hmm. and as a hockey fan who understands that this happens in every game, I don't think anybody in hockey thinks this is a Tim Donahue scandal. No, it's part of game management. It's part of keeping the giant men with blades and weapons in their hands calm enough to not kill each other. But I I understand why people outside of hockey might think, oh my God, this guy's fixing games. Hockey has a scandal on its hand. And why Colin Campbell would or Colin Campbell, as <laughs> Greg Wyshynski calls him, why Colin Campbell would come down in this way. Colin Campbell, who did get into his own officiating snafu by trying to get, what, some sort of lenience on his son? Yes, his uh, son was playing in the league, and he sent an email that was then widely distributed telling people to stop calling so many penalties on his son. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's worse than this Tim Peel thing. And obviously nothing happened to Colin Campbell. So yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit, okay, you threw the book at him, whatever, but he's still going to retire. He's still going to get his pension. He's still not really going to be heavily penalized. He's fine. You get the sense that the book was thrown at him partially because he said the unspoken part out loud. Like he's the Republican that says, yeah, we're, actually trying to keep black people from voting in Georgia. You know, always going to get put in a worse position because you're honest. The funny part is that the refs now have started covering their mics like yeah. that, like they're cops with body cameras, you know. So it's, so now is it like any cop who covers his body camera and then something 
uh, nefarious happens should get fired and every referee who covers his mic and then something nefarious happens should get fired. Right. So, you know, now we have videos of NFL or NHL referees like talking to players while just like with their fist over their mics. I mean, mics were on the refs in the first place because people kind of liked this sort of weird sub politics of the game and hearing the refs yell at the players and say weird shit like, Hey, fuck you go to the box at like, yeah, I love that part. I'm, I'm actually going to be slightly disappointed when we get crowds back in games, Mm -hmm. just because we're going to lose hearing the chirpiness without being like, Oh, uh, Milan Lucic is mic'd up for this game. Let's see what he has to say. And then they go three seconds in and they're like, well, that's enough because <laughs> he's he's cursing a lot. <laughs> no, he's, he's going to be perfectly fine in his life. Absolutely. He will probably retire to some farm in Canada and sit in a rocking chair on his front porch. And occasionally people will call him up for an interview and then he'll give some crazy quotes. So the other embarrassing development for the NHL this week has been uh, more COVID. Yay. Take that, Canada. Yeah. We've been Uh, waiting all this time, licking our COVID paws. (laughs) Finally, America is not the source of COVID uh, postponements and cancellations in the league. It is Canada with its first first infection uh, running rampant through the Montreal Canadiens, which that would make sense. Like the fun having city in Canada would be dealing with this right around spring break time. I mean, it's, it's obviously too bad that it's happening. We thought that the NHL had kind of gotten away from that. Then they let Buffalo and Boston play when people were just hacking up along with COVID prior to games. And then we saw a couple of games in Boston postponed because of it to give the NHL credit in the back half of the season. They have done much better. Kudos to the NHL, but it's a little funny to see the Canadian teams finally fall prey to this. Yeah, for the longest time, the only player that they that all of Canada had had on a COVID list was Jesse Puyo-Yarvi, which is kind of just like a beautiful bookend to his career. Uh, yeah, I kind of felt bad for him because he was starting to have some good. Uh, good stretches of performance there and and his tongue was doing hilarious things and, and yeah he uh, was doing really great while he was hanging out with Connor mcdavid <laughs> so funny how that happens yeah it's but, like uh, it's like all of those wingers that were really good playing with Sidney crosby hmm. well you had to survive the cut first that, yeah that was the problem it was like wasn't alex galchenyuk one of those they tried to make him and he did not make the cut yeah but he was like supposed to be like okay finally we have Someone for you, Sid, and Sid just like, nope. The same thing with Connor Sheary. Like Connor Sheary was great in Pittsburgh, and what has he done since? Nothing. Nothing. That's maybe another fun story: is Alex Galchenyuk with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then also um, what Jason Spezza and Joe Thornton just combined for like two point six million dollars in salary, and they are individually all like performing better than any buffalo saber speaking of buffalo yeah it was a really funny situation in one of their recent losses to the rangers that just sort of highlights this whole madness of covid and hockey dan granado was appointed interim head coach for the sabers and then in coaching buffalo against the rangers he was actually 
in that game being paid more by the Rangers in dead money for being a coach in their system on a previous contract and being fired than what he was being paid by the owners of Buffalo, Terry and Kim Pagula. And then it became an even stranger situation when he himself tested positive for COVID, forcing the classic NHL desperation move of putting the GM behind the bench. And so Kevin Adams got to coach game. You know, in this season, we have seen a Gordie Howe hat trick, a Natty Hattie, the most amount of points in a period equaled both of those by Mika Zibijad. But now the just most iconic sign of front office failure is the GM behind the bench. I mean, New York had to do it with Chris Drury, their assistant GM, mm-hmm. when their entire staff was quarantined. That team won nine to nothing. Yeah, that team absolutely stomped over the floundering Philadelphia Flyers. Buffalo didn't have as much luck. No, they no, they, they, they neither scored nine goals nor one. Surprise. <laughs> Sorry, Buffalo. It'll all be over soon. Buffalo, honestly, we really love you. If we were going to do like a road trip show, mm-hmm. I would say like, let's go to fucking Buffalo. That'd yeah, Buffalo has some of the best fans. It's a bummer that these COVID cases are happening. We don't, we obviously don't want to see them continue in the NHL or in general. Some players have had some pretty bad effects from COVID, even as, you know, relatively healthy younger men. Uh, it can still affect you very heavily. And I think we're going to get stories after this year. Oh, yeah. Where we find out that like players were just generally debilitated by this. Yeah, it's going to be like never were able to get back on track. Right about the same time we find out after the Stanley Cup about all of the injuries that players have been playing yes. with like they do every year. We'll also get the like COVID injury dump like Jesse Puyaravi would be like, I couldn't breathe. And uh, <laughs> Rasmus Ristolainen is like, I couldn't play defense. <laughs> Jonathan Taves is like, I didn't, I couldn't even play. <laughs> well, Jonathan Taves is out with an acute case of his 30s. My, my body just doesn't do what it used to. Yeah, you're 30. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm welcome fa- to the show. I'm fatigued and don't feel like competing. Well, that's just called losing your testosterone production. Yeah. You got low T, bud. Yeah. <laughs> Time to put some gel on your balls and strap on the skates. <laughs> it, it looks like Chicago's going to make the playoffs. But there are a In whole theory, yeah. bunch of other teams behind them that are right nipping at the heels. I mean, we've talked about columbus and just their insane non-usage of star patrick line after trading for him he has in two games against the red wings this weekend played a combined less than 30 minutes are you trying to ruin a player that you traded (laughs) good pieces for they are ruining that boy what is going on in columbus makes me feel so much better that they're the team that's immediately behind the blackhawks in the standings and not nashville or something you know i think well well, i guess nashville is now but in the next couple of weeks we're gonna see really that each division has three teams that are in and everybody's vying for a fourth place yeah totally that last spot and definitely seeing teams in all of these races that we did not expect to see uh so we're gonna just run through some of these races and and talk about what we think might happen and we might as well start with the central i mean yeah well i was kind of getting that we were already kind of talking about the central the nashville chicago race for the last playoff spot i feel like is a story as a blackhawks fan that is as old as time well you also have the stars who are four game have four games in hand and while the stars have not looked very good that four games i mean you have to win those games but you still have them and so until those games start to 
even out, you can't really count out the stars, I think. And that's another kind of question about games in hand is, do we think all the games get played? And some of the, you know, pundits that we like have expressed doubt that all teams would play all games. I kind of think we're going to get to that, get all the teams past the finish line with all their games but some of these teams are going to be incredibly exhausted when they get there. If Dallas is going to make up all of their games, they are going to have a busy last couple months of the season. Dallas and uh, Boston actually has played the fewest games in the league. So it's going to be a race to the finish. Hopefully they give teams like a week off or something before the playoffs start to just recharge for a little bit. Evan, I think you're totally right here that we're going to see some really tired skaters when we get to the playoffs. And while I think the Stanley Cup playoffs will remedy some of that for some of those players, especially in the first round, But as those playoffs drag on and drag on and drag on, you're going to see the teams who maybe had to have that race to the finish. Mm -hmm. I mean, some teams that can make it past the uh, American Gladiators gauntlet, but then not immediately do a second gauntlet. Understandably so. The biggest discrepancy right now or difference is seven games. So the Canucks have played 37 and Boston's played 30. That's a big difference. And Boston is sitting in fourth above Philly and the New York Rangers, they definitely look like they're just going to be that fourth team. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they ended up being that third team. I know the Penguins are hot right now, but Mm -hmm. we'll see if that kind of continues. But yeah, there is a, there is a, especially since the Bruins, I mean, the Bruins have five games in hand on the Penguins and they're seven points back. So, and I see Philadelphia as closer to falling out of this playoff race than getting further back into it because Carter Hart has a poopy diaper in terms of how he's playing hockey right now. And their defensemen aren't keeping any of the shots off of him. So Carter Hart has played like he has had a soggy bottom for about the last two months. So their goalies save percentage is like eight, six point eight, six, five. I'm surprised nobody's just like changed his Wikipedia page to Carter fart. I'm surprised they haven't traded for a goalie. <laughs> James Reimer is just hanging out. Yeah, that's true. But there's so much else wrong on that team that I don't know if a new goalie is going to do much. You know, you might just be spending Scott Lawton on another goalie that's going to get lit up. Didn't you say that this team save percentage was something? It's under, it's like 0.8 seven or something like that it's jesus christ that's a team save percentage so team save percentage is all shots blocked and stopped by a goalie yeah elliot has not been any better no and he was early on he was kind of keeping them afloat for a little bit while carter hart was sucking carter hart is showing no signs of getting better this season at least he probably will next season he might be a solid buy low candidate in some sort of fantasy league but uh Yeah, that team is falling out of the playoff race and not getting further back into it. The Rangers, on the other hand, have been beating up on the Flyers, but kind of nobody else. You know, they aren't, have have they beaten Boston? They're 5-4-1 and in their last 10. They've lost two in a row. Nobody seems to really be seizing the reins down there in the bottom of that that division. So, Mm -hmm. And they're at 500 and Boston is at 650. 
So that's a pretty big difference between Philly and New York and Boston. I feel comfortable just saying that that top four we're looking at right now, Washington, Islanders, Pittsburgh, Boston, like that's probably who we walk into the playoffs yeah, with in some, some form. Yeah, some form of yeah. No, you you said it. I'll just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think we were talking about the central. I, I'm I'm fairly confident in saying the top three are locked in, and so mm-hmm. it's you've got a uh, Blackhawks, Preds, Stars, and maybe the Blue Jackets, but probably not scenario mm-hmm. coming to pass. There. I agree that Dallas could still climb back into this. I get the sense that Columbus is just going to kind of fall out further and Nashville. I don't know. I mean, we kind of wrote them off not too long ago. They've put a couple wins together coming back. Um, they're getting better goaltending out of UC Saros. So, and Chicago is a young team and could implode at any moment. Right. And that would be great for them to get their captain back. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe that's what they're like saving him for. Like just the playoff push. Yeah, perhaps. Well, there's like 20 games left, so any day now. <laughs> I think out west, we're probably we're looking at a top three that is settled with yeah, pretty much the night, the Golden Knights, the Avalanche, and the Wild, which is wild. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, they have a 672 points percentage or win uh, w- win percentage for the casual fan. And they're eight and two in their last ten. Like they're and they look on a tear. They look awesome. The Kaprizov effect is real, and it's obviously infectious to that whole team. Yeah. Um, but below them, it gets interesting. You've got St. Louis sitting at 16 and 13. Arizona sitting at 16 and 14. And then LA at 13 and 13 with a couple games in hand. The Blues have been bad. Yeah, the Jordan last Bennington has been bad. Well, he got that money, so now he doesn't have to be good. Yeah, uh, and, I pay and, go on holiday. And the Coyotes have been very good as of late, or like you know, the last week they are they are making that a race. <laughs> Except for Clayton Keller's attempt at the Michigan goal, that did not go so yes. good. Yes, he did have a goal and assist the other day, though. Oh yeah, he's playing out of his mind, but that was kind of funny. He like he gets the puck on his stick and up there, and he just like misses the net. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. That's. A perfect summation of his career, I think, actually. I don't see the Kings being a thing here. I'm glad that they're better than people expected them to be, but Mm -hmm. I don't see them making a late push. Yeah, they haven't really gone to the youth well fully yet. Not yet. The Ducks have. Right. They're still playing Jeff Carter and... and, Well, they they do have Gabe Velarde, who's a rookie, but yeah, they're still... Byfield's still sitting down in the minors. Right. They're not going full youth movement. You can tell that they're, they're... kind of waiting to see what happens but yeah i think you're also right in that they're maybe not climbing all the way back into it but if they did that could be kind of interesting uh their goalie's been having pretty good stretch run cal peterson is definitely looking like their goalie going forward which you know which maybe is, they'll find something to do with jonathan quick's contract well there's rumors that maybe toronto would trade for him or somebody would trade for him not with jack campbell looking like he does i don't think toronto's really in the goalie market anymore mm-hmm. but uh you know maybe one of these other teams might want to trade for quick and that seems kind of hilarious to me but you know maybe John- jonathan quick has another chapter in his career left i think it's a two-team race for that fourth spot you think it's st West. louis versus arizona yeah and It'd be kind of wild to see Arizona make it. I would love to see I Arizona. Love it. They just get so much shit from us, from everyone else. Like, yeah, make the playoffs. Let's do it. Well, with the off season that they've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like if they, they could use a little good 
in their lives. Maybe that's just making it interesting down the stretch. Maybe it's making the playoffs. But, but what do you think it would mean to that team to make the playoffs and not be in the cellar? Up north, who knows what's going on. Uh, right. Edmonton looks like they're solidly in third behind Winnipeg and Toronto. That it doesn't look like any of those teams are falling out of the playoff race anytime soon. But Montreal, Calgary, and Vancouver could really go anybody's way. Montreal does have five games in hand now that they have had to shut it down for a week. So right. that makes things interesting because they are now they are currently leading. Uh, if we're going based off of just pure points, they are leading. They've got uh, 37 points, whereas the Flames and the Canucks are both at 35 and they've both played way more games than Montreal. So, But we have yet to see a team come back from one of these breaks and like be good. So. You know, Vancouver is decided now that they're not going to sell off parts and they're apparently trying to make a go of it into the playoffs. Calgary has done what they've done with a coaching change and is doing what they can to try and claw back into the playoff race. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this one plays out. What I'm secretly rooting for is like Ottawa to claw, claw back past all of these teams to magically make the playoffs because they have now beaten Calgary in three state, straight games. And like Vancouver doesn't really look very good. So it's perhaps Montreal's to lose, but we'll see what they look like coming back after this COVID imposed break that they've had. Because that seems, I mean, that's when Buffalo's season went off the rails, is when they had a break. That's kind of when Philly's season went off the rails, is when they had a break. And as you said, we're probably going to have players come out and say, yeah, COVID really hurt me, man. I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, we haven't seen anybody come out yet and say, why are we even doing this? But I think we will see some people come out and say, oh, yeah, you know how I had like four points last year and normally I score 60? Well, this is why. Yeah, I couldn't breathe. Mika Zabinajad, you know, had such a slow start after having it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see that come out. It'll sort of be like how the the three stars or the three stars of the week come out and it's like one hockey player, one medical professional, like we'll get the injury report and it'll be like one hockey injury, one COVID story. And at that time, we will just nod our heads and go, yeah, yeah, this, this right. thing sucks. And we're not playing amateur sports right now. And we don't exactly think that amateur sports are very uh, smart to be played most of the time right now, but people are still playing them. And those people also endure sacrifices and and take big hits and so we're going to talk a little bit about equipment and uh the reality of protecting your face and cages and playing with a cage as opposed to a visor where you could lose teeth or an eye even with a half protection one of the things about cages that i would normally say Mm -hmm. is that children shouldn't be in them (laughs) however if your child is playing hockey they should be in a cage because we're talking about face cages here most leagues mandate that you wear a cage up to college level uh, to wear a cage playing college roller. Junior, you can wear shield. A half shield, yeah. I think some people actually like make their decision based on that. But one of our friends got hit this week pretty bad, stick under the shield. You know, his kids aren't usually at the games, but his kids unfortunately had to deal with seeing daddy bleed from the face and laying down on the ice and wondering if He's going to have to get a patch. Luckily, he's okay. You know, isn't going to need surgery. He's got some bleeding and I think took some stitches, but I think he went back to playing pretty quickly again. Unfortunately, no pirate dad. 
I have another friend that lost real time to a bad eye injury, needed emergency surgery to save his eye, and was wearing an eye patch for a very long time. Sean Walker of the LA Kings, young defenseman, nearly lost his career. A shot ricocheted, caught him in the face, and he has, you know, permanent scarring that's like half his face. Mm -hmm. You know, he's lucky he didn't lose a career. Many before him have lost their careers under the exact same circumstances. It's insane that hockey was done without facial protection for so long. Uh, and now that we've gone to just face shields, like people get their faces fucked up a yeah, lot. The listeners out there, do a, yourself a favor and Google Terry Sawchuk's face. It's, it's not pretty. It's held together by like twine and spite. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a not safe for work image. And so we understand if you're a professional. Visors do give you... A fair amount of better vision, but we would like to, you know, kind of advocate for people to wear cages more often. There's been a definite trend in amateur hockey players that we play with going towards cages. Usually it happens when they get engaged. Their honey says, yeah, we want you pretty for the wedding and with all your teeth. It seems like more and more people are having a scary moment switching to cages or, or whatnot. So I've always worn one for roller hockey. Mm -hmm. I've never not worn one. I'm not uh, trying to have any cool hockey street cred, so <laughs> I'm totally comfortable keeping all of my teeth. I didn't wear one for ball hockey for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And then my wedding was coming up and I heard a story of a guy who took a ball to the eye Oh, yeah. Weeks before his, not his wedding, but his photos. Oh. And so, like, all of their photos are pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah, and you have to pay out the ass for those photos in yes. which you have a black eye. And so, I was like, okay, well, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to wear a cage until photos are done and whatnot. And then I was like, nah, I'm just going to keep wearing this because mm -hmm. I think I play a little bit more fearlessly when I oh, totally. know I have the cage on. You stick your nose in places that you otherwise wouldn't. Yes. If I wasn't wearing a face cage, there's no way in hell I'm blocking a shot. Uh, no. I mean, I don't block a lot to begin with, but like, mm -hmm. there's no way in hell I'm going to like slide in front of a shot to take it off the chest or something when I don't have full protection on my face. And really what gets you most dangerously is what got Sean Walker. Is that, that sort of, yeah, deflection that gets up high. Usually it like ramps up off a stick or a side of a stick. And that's what got me. That's what gave me a, a scar on my face. It just so happened to be like, you know, a friendly game. One of the things that keeps my cage on had like rusted off, you know, just happened to catch a deflection right in the side of my eye and, you know, bled all over the place and went to get stitches and then went to the bar after that. But you, you have know. bad luck with pucks to the head. Yeah, I guess you can say that. But what suffice to say, like, I've got scars, you've got scars. They're not really cool. I mean, they are and they aren't. They're cool in small doses. Like if you have one or two, mm -hmm. cool. If you have six or seven, people think you were like a knife fighter or <laughs> and think you're dangerous. And I don't want to I like I don't want to look dangerous at all. So I, I prefer to look non aggressive and non assailant type. <laughs> so thankfully, my scar on my head is from well, that you can see is from tripping when I was a child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, right. Usually uh, you have enough scars from other shit. You know, you don't need additional scars from playing hockey. Yeah, I've got one you can't see because it's under my beard that is from tripping while being drunk in college. So yeah, I mean, you know, there are worse reasons to have a beard. Oh, yeah. Well, 
I like my beard. No, I know. It's nice that it... it uh, I was actually told yesterday that I'm not allowed to shave, so... <laughs> yeah, I I would... I just prefer you with the beard, too. Yeah. I look no, like, I, I, like I shouldn't be allowed near a school. <laughs> Without it? Without it. I think you look a little, like, accountant-y. You have to be in a suit and tie. I don't know. If you're wearing a suit and tie, your beard accentuates it. I'm a great groomsman right now. <laughs> Well groomed. Actually, the last wedding I was in, I asked my buddy, I was like, hey, normally I don't, it was a winter wedding. I was like, hey, normally I don't trim my beard in the winter. Are you okay with me not trimming it this year? Like, I can groom it up. I can get it nice for the wedding. And he's like, oh, no, I don't care. I was like, are you sure? You and might want to like, ask your wife. He's like, can I request a Fu Manchu? <laughs> no, he was just like, no, it's all good, man. And then I showed up fully bearded and his wife was not thrilled. <laughs> Why is David Letterman here? <laughs> exactly. Same hairline, same beard color. Oh, God. Uh, Similar interview skills, I would say. Maybe. We'll see. Hopefully we'll get a we'll get us. Hopefully we'll get Obama. Ooh, first interview. <laughs> the Prez. Hello, handsome hockey. <laughs> I've told you're big fans turns out we are and he's like he's like well i really enjoy you as well wait what <laughs> that's what all the listens in chicago are actually from oh yeah <laughs> so yeah. baba uh he's like, zoom in on the south side he's like melania come listen to this <laughs> with us discussing barack obama's pretty sweet life i think it's time for us to say goodbye Thank you so much, as always, for listening and for any feedback, any social media interactions we have with you. We're really thrilled to keep doing this and keep entertaining at least ourselves during COVID, if not the rest of you. And but so thank you for partaking. As always, you can find us all over the internet. Our website is handsomehockey.com. On Instagram, we are handsome hockey podcast at handsome hockey on Twitter. Our email where you can reach us is handsomehockeypod at gmail.com. We are still waiting to hear from our Canadian listeners about their free poutine. So, <laughs> so get to us. You can also find us. We have a Facebook page for Handsome Hockey. You can find our podcast all over the internets and pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. We're there. We got a, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, and Red Circle. And now on Carrier Pigeon. Ooh. That's, there's, I got no jokes. <laughs> <laughs> the flap of the wing is, beats out in rhythm to our cadence and then like produces sound that mimics our voice. Uh, no, the pigeon just brings you a USB stick. Oh, yeah, I guess that's more practical. Thanks for tuning in and, and stay handsome, everybody. Arreste boat.